0: Welcome to the APM podcast. APM is the Chartered Body for the Project Profession. My name is Emma Devita, and I'm the Editor of Project, APM's quarterly journal and your host. In this podcast, I'm speaking with Adrian Dooley, a long-time project professional whose views on all things agile are much in demand from the project community. In his 45 years in project management, he tells me that he has seen many fads rise to prominence and then become integrated into the background of good practice. He believes Agile will follow that same path. Just to give you a little bit of background on Adrian, he started out his career as a construction project manager, eventually becoming involved in developing software applications for construction. In 1984, he set up the Projects Group as a training and consultancy company in all things related to project management. Adrian was one of the founders of Project Manager Today magazine, and also served as an executive council member of APM. He was lastly the lead author of the sixth edition of APM's Body of Knowledge. Adrian remains a non-executive director of APM Group and is also the founder and lead author of the Praxis Framework, a free online methodology, body of knowledge and much more for project, programme and portfolio management. Welcome, Adrian. Thanks for finding the time to speak to us. Thank you, Emma. You've been in the world of project management since the 1970s—a long time—and no doubt have seen many trends come and go. Could you give us a bit of background and context, and to how agile might fit into this past forty years?
1: Yeah, well, I've—I've been—I think about this a lot, and I've been pondering you know, the the various uh, fads and fashions that I've seen come and go, and. Perhaps the one that is is foremost in my mind is is the one that I sort of found myself in when I when I first joined the profession, and in some respects, it feels as if that particular um, fashion led to the one we have at the moment with agile. Um, it was the very late seventies, and um, desktop computers came along for the first time, and those of us who were in planning and and project management saw this as a great opportunity and and lots of people around the uk started developing uh software for project scheduling so that they didn't have to send sheets off to the the bureau mainframe and, and wait for schedules to come back usually with a typo in them which made them completely wrong so we started developing this localized software so you could sit in the site office and do your scheduling there and then and it was real time And this grew and grew, and the use of desktop computers grew and grew. And and just to give one illustration of how that became such a thing, I remember an advert which was for something called Super Project, and it was a box, because, you know, those days software came in boxes on floppy disks and a manual, and it was a, a box sitting on the mastermind chair, and the caption was, the best project manager you'll ever meet. Now, we'd laugh at that now, you know, the idea that a box of software can manage a project, although maybe with AI, it's getting there. But in in those days, that that was the hype around that particular tsunami of enthusiasm about the ability to schedule projects locally on your desktop. And I, I remember at the time, there was an enormous demand for those of us who had experience in scheduling mainly from construction from the IT industry. And the IT industry adopted this with gusto. I I I remember being called into various organizations and they said, right, this is this is what we're doing. And I'd say, well, it doesn't really apply to what you're doing. You know, I I know it's a big thing, but this is not for you. This is this is not what you should be or how you should be scheduling your projects. And it struck me on reflection that um, maybe it's, in some way, it's the reaction against all that hype of project schedules, which in some way led to the opposite hype of, no, we don't need plans, we shouldn't have plans, everything has to be very, very flexible. So in some ways, you know, the pendulum swings and one fashion leads to an opposite fashion further down the line.
0: So... Agile came about at the turn of the millennium and started out the Agile Manifesto from a very specific part of the world and, a, you know, a specific sector industry. How has the concept of Agile changed since then, since the Agile Manifesto came out? And how has that morphed into something for the world of project management to use?
1: what we have to do is to challenge some of the assumptions here. So you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, was it 2001? Was it 17 software developers got together in, um, in a ski resort and said, "Why well, we, we're going to write this manifesto. And it was all about software development. And there's a perception that agile started with the manifesto. If, if we drop the word agile for a moment and talk about agility – you know, the ability to flex and be adaptable on your projects. There are numerous examples and case studies going back to the, the pantheon in Rome in the first century through Christopher Wren's St. Paul's Cathedral, where people have had to stop, rethink, look again at the scope and head off in a slightly different direction. That That's nothing new. So I think agility has all, always been there. And if, another example would be in the 80s, I think probably late 70s and 80s, concurrent engineering was very popular. And concurrent engineering is about uh, self-managed multidisciplinary teams. So to think that Agile started in 2001, the only thing that started in 2001 was the hype. The agility was already there. The Agile Manifesto crystallized that, perhaps, as I suggested, as a reaction to how the software industry had somewhat unthinkingly adopted so much stuff from construction, which wasn't uh, necessarily relevant. Um, But it was that manifesto that started in uh, 2001 and rapidly became something that I believe it wasn't intended to be. Because of the hype,
0: what what did it become then? Almost like a cult.
1: <laughs> I'd I'd agree with you, and I probably would drop the word almost. Um, <laughs> I, I think yes, it's it has become a cult. One example of that is that agile has become binary. You know, when I talked about agility and flexibility, you're talking about something which is a continuum. Uh, there are different degrees of agility, different degrees of flexibility. Whereas Agile has become binary. Sadly, something I I do quite a bit is monitor all the conversations on social media about this. And you keep getting these debates amongst people who are in the Agile community saying, well, that's Agile, that's not Agile. Particularly when it comes to trying to scale Agile across an organization. If if you look at this stuff on uh, social media, for example, on LinkedIn, you will find that there is quite a battle between the camps that say SAFE, the scaled agile framework. Safe is not agile. And other people will say, well, yes, this is. It's scaled ad- agile. You'll get people debating whether Scrum is agile or not. That's a slightly different kind of argument, but there are these quite heated debates about what is agile, what is not agile. It's become binary. And One of my observations is that because people can't quite pin down what Agile is, they resort to the easier thing of defining what it isn't. And that's where waterfall comes from. Because if we can't agree what Agile is, let's talk about what it isn't. We don't have a name for what it isn't in the way that we have a name for Agile. So we need to create something, an antonym for Agile. And that's where the term waterfall comes from. And you will see some quite prominent um, and respected people will quote things about waterfall, or the other term that they they commonly use is traditional project management. So there's this idea that there is this traditional project management, i.e., every project previous to 2001 followed this traditional approach. And typically, that is uh, colloquially called waterfall. And I, I read, um, or I read a transcript to a, a presentation of a professor at a university giving a, a talk about a case that the case study was the um, Empire State Building, and the comment was, "You develop all these plans, and if one resource goes sick or it starts to rain, all your plans go out the window." Now that's just crazy. <laughs> that's not the way it works, but the rigid the rigid waterfall approach which is you sit down you define everything you produce an immutable plan which can't change and then you start delivering according to that plan is uh, i say a, a creation of people who want to promote what they perceive as the opposite to that um so you you know you you can't have a saint that doesn't have a dragon to slay and where agile is the saint, waterfall and traditional are the dragons that it seeks to, to slay. So, yes, you're right. It becomes very cultish.
0: Out in the real world of projects, it seems to me that people aren't so hung up on the definition of agile, but just using what works. And there's two separate things here, really. There's the mindset of agility, the approach of agility which is what I'm I'm understanding from this. And then there's this whole host of agile tools that have been described as agile, known as agile, that that in reality, I think people adapt, experiment with whatever makes things work. And when I've interviewed project leaders, often they go for what's now been termed a hybrid approach which actually is to have a toolbox that's filled with all the processes and techniques and everything you need from the way projects have been done to incorporate new tools and ways of thinking. Would you agree with that? Out in the real world of projects, is it about this idea of having a hybrid approach?
1: I think, again, there's, there's two ways I'd, I'd like to approach that question. Firstly, the, the difference between what I've seen referred to as the agile industrial complex. There is this interlocking system of consultants, trainers, tool providers in the agile space who are slightly detached from the people who are actually out there doing it. And their interrelation, their interdependence on each other just amplifies and amplifies the message. And it's interesting, when I uh, post on social media about my views on, on agile, I will get, I I will get a lot of truly agile people saying, no, you're wrong. That's not the way it works. And, you know, even say blocking me on, on LinkedIn because uh, they don't agree with the points I'm making. All the good conversations I have are with people who are actually out there doing it And saying, well, it's not that black and white. We, as you quite rightly point out, we adapt to the context of our project. We use tools and techniques, which some will call agile, some will call waterfall, um, a lot uh, somewhere in between. And we will um, use those as our project needs. Uh, And those are the people who are actually out there doing it. So there's this disconnect between the layer which depend on the hype and the layer that are just trying to do a job. Now, when we then, what that leads to, and I think, again, this comes from the, if you like, the agile elite, the agile cult, the druids of agile, observing the people who are actually out there doing it and saying, ah, they're not totally agile. They're not totally waterfall. So we'll call this hybrid. Now, my view on that is that if you look up the dictionary definition of hybrid, which I haven't memorized, it is a combination of two things. By definition, the two things have to exist in order to have a hybrid. Now, my argument is that waterfall stroke traditional definitely doesn't exist and never did. And agile is just one extreme of the continuum of agility. So if you don't have waterfall and agile is just a view, a superficial view of the underlying practice, then how can you have a hybrid of those two things? For me, hybrid is the acceptable face of the mistake that was made to make agile and waterfall these two polarizing positions.
0: What advice have you got for project professionals who are aware of all of this going on and aware of Agile and perhaps thinking that that means a specific thing that they need to be doing practically and with your longer view? What advice would you give to them about Agile?
1: To promote the right way of thinking, my my advice would be stop thinking in terms of agile and waterfall think in terms of the continuum of agility it's going to sound very nerdy when i say that agile is an adjective and agility is a noun um but yeah agile originally was a was an adjective to describe, to qualify something you're doing. So agile project management would have been, I'm managing my project with agility. When it became a noun, when it became a thing, that's when it became binary. You're either agile or you're not. So we've got to get rid of that. We've somehow got to get uh, away from that kind of thinking. And I believe strongly that... When we're talking about how we want to manage our projects and our programs, we should be talking about agility because that gives us a whole spectrum of approaches that we can take and not just on a project-by-project basis but on different parts of the project. Agilists talk about agile projects and waterfall projects. Well, for anybody out there who's worked on an engineering project, Yes, if you're going to build a bridge, you've got to have the full requirements and specification done before you start digging holes in the ground. Otherwise, you've got, you're going to have problems. But, but that design work in the design in, in the early stages of the, of the project will have been done in a very agile way or to use my preferred way of uh, saying it will have been done with great agility there will have been multidisciplinary teams going through multiple iterations of the design, working with the client, working with stakeholders to gradually come to the design which is going to be built. So you could have great agility in the design phases of a project and very low agility in the latter phases of the project. Because ultimately, the... The ability to be agile, the ability to to apply agility, is down to the cost of change. And, And that comes back to where this all came from, which was software development. In software development, if you want to change a feature, you rewrite the code. Clearly there's a cost to that. If you're halfway through building a bridge and you want to change the design, the cost of change is enormous. So within any project, there are there are elements of the project, there are phases of the project where the cost of change is low and that's where you can apply great agility. And there are areas of the project where the cost of change is very high. And that's where it's very difficult, or by definition, very expensive to apply changes. So my advice to people is think in terms of agility, think in terms of how different projects, different parts of your project can make use of agility and flexibility and then apply the relevant approaches to those different projects, different parts of those projects. Just please, please, please get away from this mentality that there's red, which is agile, indigo, which is waterfall, and all the other colors of the rainbow in between don't exist. Um, or the idea that hybrid is not the colors in between. Hybrid is just a mixture of red and indigo. So, a sort of a, a muddy, gloopy, uh, bluey red. You know, it's just need to open our minds to this spectrum of agility.
0: Where are we now with Agile? We've got past the hype. It's an idea that's been maturing in the world of business and projects and beyond. Where do you think it's heading? now um, particularly for the world
1: of project management Uh, just briefly going back to the manifesto i i think what that did was to crystallize and formalize some of the good ideas that were out there or help the formalization of the ideas that were out there so you know i'm i'm not trying to i don't want to come across as an anti uh, well i suppose i am anti-agile what i'm not is anti-agility and I think the manifesto and some of the stuff around that has done a lot to help boost an understanding of agility in, in project management. So I think that uh, ultimately the profession is better for, for a lot of this discussion about agility. And I think the next phase that we have to, to work through is a lot of those um, ideas about agility just being absorbed and becoming part of the profession. So we don't talk about them as being some separate way of managing projects. We just see them as a natural component of managing projects. They are part of the the project manager's toolkit when they come to deciding what tools are best for their particular project. Yeah, I think to, again to to, to to draw another business analogy, who talks about business process engineering anymore? But what is it, uh, I, was it? Uh, was it Mike Hammer published a, a, an article in the I don't know the Wall Street Journal or the Harvard Business Review or something, and all of a sudden everybody was talking about business process reengineering, and then it disappeared. Did it disappear? Or did it just get absorbed into the, the general mindset? You know, I think um, when people talk about digital transformation now, you think, well, how much of digital transformation is just business process re-engineering in a digital world?
0: And in a way, these labels are kind of a handy way of exactly what you said of crystallizing the kind of zeitgeist or A shift in the way we think about things often the way we think about business or the way we think about projects which is going to lead me to ask you another another question but already people are asking what is beyond agile what is after what comes after agile probably
1: four months ago I wouldn't have known how to answer that question now I'm going to say AI you know we're all Every people were talking about AI for years. Um, I, I remember as uh when I first got involved in software development, I wish I still had it, but I remember buying a book on artificial intelligence. Uh most of it was sort of a bit over the top. And and primarily it was just about um well, I, I remember an article in a magazine, if I can get this this quote quite right. Um, there was two two phrases. It was um, time flies like an arrow, fruit flies like a banana. How do, how do you explain to artificial intelligence the difference between those two sentences? So yeah, the, the thinking about artificial intelligence is, has been around since Turing um, proposed his, his famous test. What has happened in the last four months is chat GPT. Now, all of a sudden, every other post in LinkedIn is about ChatGPT. And what I see happening, again, is loads and loads of hype. And I've played with it in a very amateurish way. And it does feel like it it, it brings back those feelings from 40 years ago when we first had desktop computers.
0: What do you mean? Well, like excitement or? Yes,
1: yes. Excitement in that this, this is life changing. Well, this is, this is world changing. Um, but at the moment, it's very clunky. And the danger is that people get too enthusiastic about the clunky version in terms of it's finished, it's here, rather than saying, well, this is a great start. Where can we take this in the future? So the hype says, it's here, it's great, you've got to use it now. The more balanced approach says, okay, let's let's have a look at this. This is good. This is bringing a lot of stuff together. I can see this has opportunities, but it's got to improve a lot. And I'm sure it will over the next few years. Um, So again, it's, it's this danger of hyping it up too soon.
0: Already, people are talking about its possible application to the world of projects. Is that is that something you're willing to put your you know give give us some views on?
1: I think it's early days. Um, My view of of that particular tool, Chat GPT, is governed by the fact that if I if I put a question in about something I'm not very familiar with, I get a very convincing, very eloquent answer. That makes me think, "Oh right, that's how it works." If I put a question in about something that I'm very, very familiar with, then I get an answer back. Uh, you know, particularly if you put in questions about Agile and Waterfall, what will what you'll get back is very eloquent, very convincing answers based on information it's scraped from the web, which I would say is completely wrong. So. One of the things that I think AI has to do is get to the point where it can somehow make a judgment about what is good information and what is bad information. I don't think it could... Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure it can't do that at the moment. Uh, so when you start to see statements like, all project managers are going to be out of a job in three years because we're just going to get AI to manage the projects, well, you know, come on, be serious. Um, this, this is an, This is another tool which is going to help. We've got to work out how to use it. We've got to work out how to understand it. Um, and then we've got to build it in to the way we manage our projects. But let's be very, very careful about not getting too excited too soon because then we're just repeating what happened with scheduling software in the early 80s when people people's attitude was, You know, the answer is your scheduling software. What's the question? And and 30 years later it was, well, the answer's agile. What's the question? Let's not start doing the answers AI. What's the question?
0: Any leaving thoughts for listeners about agile and agility?
1: And I I know it, it sounds like a very pedantic grammatical point, but it is actually just the uh, the surface presentation of a change in, in mindset, which is we need to think about agility, which is a continuum, a spectrum of different degrees of agility, and stop talking about binary concepts like agile and definitely opposing binary concepts like agile and waterfall. Take a more relaxed, considered um, holistic view of these things and don't get wrapped up in the hype and the jargon.
0: Okay, Adrian, great way to end this podcast. So we've, we've covered a lot of ground there. Um, thank you so much for your time again.
1: Thank you very much, Emma. It's been great fun.
0: Thanks again to Adrian for joining us and to you for listening to the APM podcast. Don't forget to look out for more episodes or to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We welcome you to get in touch with your comments, feedback and suggestions by emailing us at apmpodcast at thinkpublishing.co.uk. This podcast has been brought to you by APM, the Chartered Body for the Project Profession. For more information on APM, visit apm.org.uk.